Now that the World Juniors are a thing of the past, are there players that caught one scout's attention? What did he think of the tourney for several players? As a matter of fact, he sent me a list of about 11 of them that he wants to talk about, including Montreal Canadiens prospects. Did they pass the test? Yes or not? Conclusive or inconclusive? We'll talk about that and much more on the Sick Podcast. Joining me, Simo Snake. Boisvert, I'm Marinaro. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinaro. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Sports Entertainment. Like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Marinero, the sick podcast brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature, of course. The beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Nothing this man says surprises me anymore. He has his opinions and he lets them be known. He um, ruffles some feathers along the way, but I enjoy chatting with him because I too have my opinions. Snake, what's going on? I'm doing great, Tony, and you? Very, very well. Uh, World Juniors are now a thing of the past. The tourney that, of course, always takes place in December, but was uh, postponed uh, last year because of COVID, and it was uh, played, and, uh, you know, the final was just a couple of days ago. Uh, Look, I still watched. There's no doubt about it. I was still interested, but there's something about that tournament taking place during Christmas time that, I think was a little bit lost by doing it in August, but you know, that's, I don't know how you felt about it, but I, yeah. it, just, it didn't seem like it was the same. Yeah. I share your opinion. Also the fact that there was no Russian team uh, and the fact that there were so many players missing compared with during the holidays, because I know that during the holidays, there are some NHLers who don't go, but this year, I mean, it was, Really, really disappointing. Think of Slovakia. If they could have added uh, Nemitz, Slavkovsky, uh, Mechar, would have been a different uh, team. And I could go on and on and on. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, okay. Connor Bedard, uh, you know, here's a guy who, of course, is draft eligible in 2023. Uh, I actually uh, asked you for some scouting reports. You sent me a list of players uh, you know, you wanted to tackle the Montreal Canadiens prospects, of course, so they're going to be there. Let's show the chart just now. We'll bring it up. Connor Bedard, 2023 draft eligible. The same thing for Dalibor Dvorsky. Uh, and then there's Yuri Kulich, drafted by Buffalo. Brad Lambert, drafted by Winnipeg. Uh, Matthew Nyes, drafted by Toronto. Logan Cooley, drafted by Arizona. Luke Hughes, drafted by New Jersey. Joshua Roy, Yan Mishak, Oliver Kapanen, and Riley Kidney, who have all been drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. All right, okay. Let's start with Connor Bedard. Uh, your buddy, Grant McCagg of recruits.ca, 
told me probably give or take about a month ago here on the podcast that it was way too early to anoint Connor Bedard as the guy who's going to go number one in the 2023 draft. He said the same thing about Shane Wright, and in the end, with time, he was proven right, Grant was, because Shane Wright went number four in the draft. But after watching the tournament, are you convinced that Connor Bedard will go number one? Yes or no, and why? Well, I think he will go number one because once a player is being touted as number one for so many years, like he has, he really would have to totally crash down or someone else would have to be absolutely exceptional for him to lose his ranking. And I think Bedard... Like what just happened in 2022, not the Shane Wright crashed, but in the last three or four months, there was a decline... And that coincided with Yuri Slavkowski having an amazing Olympics and very good world championships, correct? Yeah. However, with Bedard, I think he's going to burn the WHL this year. So let's see he has a 70-goal season. How can you not select him first? Doesn't mean he's going to be Connor McDavid. But you, you also have to base your, your scouting on projection, but also the present. And I don't think there's anyone right now who could actually challenge him. I think maybe a guy like Matty Michkov, if he played in Canada, if he were to make himself eligible to play in the NHL next year, perhaps could have a say in all this. But that's not the case. He's staying in Russia. Russia probably won't participate in tournaments. And he's also under contract until 2026 in the KHL. So I think that's going to scare off some teams and... I, I don't think anyone can really challenge Bedar for those reasons. Uh, I, like I said, I'm not saying he's going to be McDavid. In my book, uh, I see him more as, uh, I'm not crazy about comparisons, but I see this guy more as a, a Kirill Kaprizov type of player. All right, okay. Um, as the tournament went on and the games became more and more difficult, the opposition was stronger. You saw some defensive deficiencies with Connor Bedard. Um, you saw that his game, there's, there's, there's some work to be done there. Does it concern you? It, it would concern me if I thought that he was the second coming of uh, Mario Lemure or Connor McDavid. But for, for, for the type of player that I see him become, it does not concern me because A, he's 17 years old. Not many uh, great offensive players have uh, don't have defensive deficiencies at that age. And also he was playing in a tournament where most players are 19 years old. So I think he became a little bit overwhelmed at, at some point, whether it be like, because he, he, he's not a complete player. He, he was playing on the wing. He was not playing center. So he, he tended to be ahead of the play sometimes. He wanted to shoot too much because he, his shot is absolutely fantastic. You know, he, he, he can shoot like 20 different ways and be, be the goalie. So maybe he was a little bit out of his comfort zone. So no, I'm not, I'm not concerned in the sense that I, I don't think he will ever be a, a full, complete player, although things can change with the right coaching and different mentality for older folks. Remember Steve Eiserman was mm -hmm. offense, offense, offense. And at some point, he became uh, a, an incredible two-way player. Well, Scotty Bowman told him, if we want to win a Stanley Cup here, you're, we're going to have to change the way you play. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. I did, Dallas did the same thing with Mike Madano. If uh, you're wondering about these scouting reports that you're getting from Simon Boisvert, I can tell you he is a former scout in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, 
and currently a consultant with Le Farrar de Valdar, because of those defensive deficiencies, does it lead you to believe that Connor Bedard will end up being a better winger than a centerman if he doesn't play a 200-foot game? Or do you believe he was struggling defensively because he was going too much on the attack, like you said, because he was playing the wing and did not have those centerized responsibilities? Yeah, that, that's the $64,000 question. Right now, I don't have an answer for that. But I can tell you that the fact that he's, he's not very tall, it's, it, it's possible that at least for, uh, from the start, I would play him on the wing. Like he's going to be 18 years old next year, a young 18 because he's born in July. He's going to be in the NHL next year, probably for a weak team. I would, I would start him on the wing and then see how it goes. Well, with that logic, would you do the same thing for Logan Cooley? Yeah. Yeah, because also Logan Cooley is not a big player, but Logan Cooley is going to the NCAA this year, whereas Bedard is going to play in the NHL at age 18. And I think that's the big difference because Cooley will have one year to get stronger, to mature. He's going to be playing college hockey. He's going to play center. And we'll see. But do I see Logan Cooley as perhaps a more efficient winger one day? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But that's it's too early to tell. All right. So let's talk about Cooley. What kind of tournament do you think he had? I saw a lot of flashes, flashes of magic where we saw that magic that people were talking about when they said that he could be the most talented player of the 2022 draft. But in your opinion, was he able to put it all together? I think, yeah, he definitely showed flashes. But I never saw this guy necessarily as a future superstar. I saw him as a future very good player. I think in Arizona, it's a double-edged sword. Some people say, well, it's a, it's a weak team. It's not a great organization. But he's going to have... He's going to have a chance to, to, to shine. He's not going to be stuck on the third line forever when he gets there. He's probably going to be a top six player. So, and Arizona is with all these draft picks at some point, I assume they're going to get better. So, uh, I, I see him maybe as, uh, I don't know, it's always hard to project points, but I would say more, more like a 70 point player, 70 than a 90 point player. Got it. All right. Let's go back. Let's bring up the chart again if we can. All right, Connor Bedard, 2023 draft eligible. The other player that you want to tackle is draft eligible yeah. is Dalibor Dvorsky. Uh, talk to me about him because when we talk about 2023, we talk about Bedard, we talk about Michkov, we talk about Fantilli. Where will Dvorsky end up on that list? I know it's 11 months prior. I hear you. Uh, we still have 11 months to go, but based on what you saw, is he in the top five conversation? Up until the junior tournament, I would say yes. I had him number four on my list for one year as a 16-year-old, for whatever it's worth. Uh, ha however, I was very, very disappointed in his tournament. And again, he he's 17, playing against 19-year-old players. He was not playing on a strong team. But I find that he lacked a little bit of energy in that tournament. I would have liked to see him see... Do, uh, I would have liked to see him do more, carry the puck, make plays. And basically, he was kind of like, uh, I'm not saying he was sleepwalking, but he was hardly noticeable. So that's that's disappointing. He's going to go back to Sweden this year. He plays junior hockey in Sweden. We'll see what happens. I still have faith in him because I don't want to base my judgment on one August tournament for someone who's going to be drafted in next June. 
Yeah. Uh, but I was expecting more because he was on my uh, my uh, watch list, let's say. And I just uh, was like, you know, Matt, disappointing. All right. Back to the chart for a second here. Speaking of expectations, I know you don't have very high expectations for Brad Lambert. I think the last time we talked, you told me that you didn't even rate Lambert. And I said, hold on a second. I understand the criticism because you're not the only one, but to not even rate him. And you were like, no, like this guy, I think you said he wouldn't even play in the national hockey league. Clearly a disappointing tournament for him. Well, I said, I wouldn't draft him. Oh, you said you wouldn't draft him. Okay. Well, maybe Winnipeg will decide to give him a chance because obviously first round picks always get, they have nine lives, these guys, but me, I don't see him as an impact player in the NHL. I don't think he's going to play many games in the NHL because at some points, you know, people will wake up to what he is. Uh, what is very frustrating with this guy is that he, he, he shows great flashes. Uh, he, he can be a high-end skater. He's a good stick handler, but he, he disappears for long periods of time. And look what happened. Finland, he was a healthy scratch for Finland for the last two games. And that says a lot about a guy who's 19 years old and, and who's supposed to be, you know, a leader. If, 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 if I'm sure Team Finland three years ago, they were thinking in 2022, our leader will be Brad Lambert, but he was not. And, and, and to me, what I don't like about a player, I, I, I like when I evaluate players, let's say start starting at the age of 15, I like to see them rise. And to me, Lambert, he's always gone down a little bit. So when I don't think it's going to be a roller coaster. I rarely see players who start very strong at 15, 16. Then they be, they're disappointing. You know, they become more and more disappointing at age 17, 18, 19. And then, whoops, they go back to being stars at age 21, 22. I, I, I've rarely, rarely seen that. So that's why I want to talk about him. Uh, I wasn't surprised that he was a healthy scratch. To me, this is a disappointment that is not... Unfortunately, that is not a surprise to me. So he's got flashes and he appears and disappears. Yeah. Should probably be a magician or a photographer. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yuri Kulich, drafted by Buffalo. Yeah. He was playing with uh, Jan Mishak from the Habs. Yeah. I think uh, they were a dynamic duo for Czechia. Uh, they upset the United States. I think uh, perhaps Mishak was the best player, but Kulich seems like the most talented uh, looking forward to the NHL. I see this guy as a middle-of-the-lineup pair for Buffalo. And one of the reasons why I mention him is because he was picked, uh, he was like picked by Buffalo two, three picks after the Habs uh, chose uh, Philip Meshar. I, I don't dislike Meshar, but I think that Kulik has a bigger upside. And I don't think... I think the Habs went for what I would call the safer bet with Meshar. And I see Kulik uh, being, uh, uh, he drives to the net. He has a great shot and he's hardworking. And I think he's part of a fantastic young uh, pool of prospects in Buffalo. If you're watching uh, on YouTube or Facebook, comment sick, S-I-C-K. If you're listening on audio, please leave us a five-star review if you can. And write the word sick. It's our way of feeling the love. Back to the chart we go. Matthew Nice, Toronto. 
Yeah, the reason why I decided to talk about him is because he represents the type of player uh, that I'm always a little bit wary of. Matthew Nice was a second-round pick, and it was a highly praised pick because a lot of teams, when they watch the playoffs and fans, they, they always look for the next uh, star. If you, Not the next star, but I would say the next um, guy who will... Uh, Tony, is there any way I can shut that noise? Uh, we have some noise coming up here. Was that you or me? I, I don't know. No, but I, I can close the window, so I don't know if you can edit the podcast. Yeah, no, 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 no. Go, go close the window. Go. Okay, okay. Just give me a second. Yeah, yeah. Go, go. No, no, don't worry about it. We can even do this live. I don't mind. This is a beautiful <laughs> thing. How can we get rid of that noise? I'm like, where's this noise coming from? His window was open. That's it. My God. Those windows close uh, pretty hard. Yikes! What are you doing? You're putting two by fours over your windows. You're you're hammering away. Well, what's the story here? It's fine now. I just uh, shut the windows. What was it? What was that exactly? Ah, uh, some, some machine uh, outside on the street. You know, they all do roadworks yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah naturally. Yeah, don't worry yeah. about it. It's this anything. Anything goes on the podcast. Oh, I know. <laughs> so you're worried. Okay, what was I? What I was nice. saying about? Yeah, it was sort of lost my concentration. What I was saying about Matthew Nice. Is that a lot of teams are looking for agitators? They're looking for guys who are going to be third line, fourth line uh, agitators that can give them uh, energy, the energy, and this extra little ingredient that make you win Stanley Cups. Every year we have that type of player, and I've noticed that the problem with these guys is that very often they are not the type of guys that you identify. In junior hockey, they sort of become that player at some point. And too often, we see a guy who's an agitator in junior hockey, and right away we think, this is going to be an agitator in the NHL. Well, the thing is, you have to have talent to make the NHL. And even though sometimes fourth-liners, we might say, oh, he's not good. Yeah, but look, he made the NHL as a fourth-liner. He was a pretty darn good player, usually as a junior guy or a midget guy. So there's no... There's no guy who makes the NHL without being talented. And the thing is with Matthew Nice is that his ceiling right now is that of an agitator in college hockey. He's not even a skilled player. So why would he become necessarily a great NHLer? So he was very disappointing at the tournament. He has no creativity. And I know Toronto fans are very excited about him. But I would say uh, beware. Uh, he might not be the bottom six player that you think he is. Wow. Okay. Luke Hughes, devil. Yeah. My number one guy in 2021 before the draft, I, uh, I see him as a future star. I see him as uh, a, a taller, bigger version of his brother, Quinn. I think he's going to be better than Quinn. I don't understand this guy went number four. Of course, he's going to have defensive mishaps. He has... Uh, because he, 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 he tries too hard, you know, to make plays and carry the puck. And obviously sometimes I'm sure coaches swear at him, but th this is going to be a fantastic uh, offensive blue liner in the NHL. I see him offensively. I see him eventually as a top five blue liner in the NHL. You're the president of Luke Hughes fan club, I guess. Oh, yeah. Joshua Roy. Yeah, Joshua Roy. Uh the shiny new penny for Habs fans. Yeah. I understand. He was, uh, 
he went from top midget player to fifth round pick in the NHL and back to uh, a top scorer in, in, in the queue. So that was really a roller coaster of a career for this guy the last two years. Yeah, it was. Uh, at the tournament, I think that uh, he was uh, quite versatile in the sense that he played on the first line, he played on the third line, he adapted well. Uh, he, scored a huge he, goal. Pardon me? Scored a huge goal. Yes, he did. Uh, he, he, he's always well positioned. He, he, he thinks the game very well. He's a smart player. So in that sense, uh, I, I like the guy, and I think he deserves to have a chance. Although he's a fifth rounder and he's a long shot, deserves to have a chance. My only issue with this guy right now. He's skating. Yeah, and I would say especially can he follow the pace. He doesn't play with pace. And the NHL is a very, very high pace, fast game. So right now, he's going to go back to junior. He's going to dominate. Probably going to have a 130-point season if he plays enough games. Uh, we're going to see him in the Val next year. We'll see what happens, how he adapts to pro hockey. I think it, it, it's a long road before we can consider this guy a, a top six forward. So I'm just trying to calm down the expectations from uh, Habs fans. He's got the uh, tools. You just, you're worried that he, you know, it won't translate to the next level. Exactly. That's my concern right now. Was he, um, out of all the Canadians' prospects, where did he rank in this tournament for you? Well, they don't have the same age, but if you just look at how they played at that tournament, uh, I would say that he was, uh, he was number two after Mishak. But Mishak is, is older. So talk to me about Mishak now. Yeah. Uh, probably Czechia's best player. Uh, this is a guy who generated offense. He's good defensively. Uh, he makes plays. And you could tell that he already has uh, a little bit of pro experience. He was an older player for the tournament. So it would have been disappointing if he hadn't been dominating. Now, moving forward, yeah, uh, he's going to go to Laval. Great. Yeah. Uh, moving forward, I see this guy. Third liner? That's his ceiling. That's really a ceiling. I don't see a high-scoring player, but I see a guy who has a chance to make the NHL, which is good for a second-round pick. Okay. Um, Oliver Kapanen. Oliver Kapanen. Uh, he played well on the PK. He's good defensively. But again, you know, you want to see more from a prospect offensively before... Look, if the guy is not a great prospect offensively at the World Junior Championships, what's he going to be when he reaches the pros? So I think this guy, if he makes the NHL, and that's a big if, it would be strictly as a fourth liner. Um, I, I don't see this guy moving the needle much for the Habs. Wearing my uh, sick merchandise today, who's better than me? Nobody. He'll uh, argue that it's actually him. Uh, you can uh, check out our sick merch at sportbuffshop.com. Use code 615 for 15% off on all of their items. And you can also shop for your sports lifestyle, uh, sports licensed lifestyle apparel including hoodies caps t-shirts of your favorite teams from all major leagues okay i will bring up the chart i think we got one left which is riley kidney i just want to double check on that yeah, yeah we got to them all all right so riley kidney a lot of people looked at canada's players before the tournament started and said this guy's going to be an extra how did he do well he was an extra he barely played uh i i, I don't see an nhl player but i see probably a useful uh player in laval uh, at least, you know, during his first contract, and we'll see. So, uh, I, I, again, like Kapanen, I don't see this guy as uh, as a factor in fire. In fact, I see him less 
uh, having less chances of making the NHL as Kapanen. So I, I don't think these two late round, uh, late second round picks from the Habs in 2021, uh, I don't see much on the horizon for them. All right. Okay. Um, is there a player not on this list that really blew you away? I mean, we knew that Mason McTavish was amazing uh, and, and uh, what a game he had and what a tournament he had. But is there someone who really caught your attention? You know, there, the Finns went further than a lot of people thought they would, huh? Yeah, I think, look, we, we could talk about the 20, 30 players right now. Uh, and I only picked those 11 players for, you know, specific reasons. Uh, I would say I like the Swedish goalie, Jesper Wallstedt. I was never, um, I was never a, a super fan of this guy while he was uh, uh, growing up in the sense that he, he was touted for years and years and years as a future top goalie in the NHL. I remember him at the Vasilevsky level. Yeah. But I think he was impressive, and I think he's going to reach the Minnesota Wild faster than we think, considering right now uh, about their goalie situation. They have Marc-Andre Fleury for two years, and I wouldn't be surprised if Wallstead became... Fleury's back up, not this season, but next year, and he would take over the net the year after. So that was a nice uh, nice uh, player for me. If the Canadians would like to add to their prospect pool as far as goalies are concerned, is there a goalie eligible in the draft in the next couple of years that we should keep an eye on? Look, very hard to predict goalies. Six-round picks can win the Vizina Trophy. So right now, I don't see anyone on the horizon. However, and I'm like, three years ahead of time and lots of water under the bridge before this uh, happens. Gabriel Degl from the Tsig de Victoriaville. This guy is the best Quebecois goalie prospect since Marc-André Fleury. Wow. Yeah. And he's a late birthday, so that's why he's only eligible in 2025 and not 2024. So obviously it's going to take a while before he makes his mark in the NHL. But uh, I see this guy, look, he, he, he's already, he, he already has NHL physique and he's, he's technically, he's, he's great and he has poise. I love this guy and I think this is the future Quebecois goalie star in the NHL. You always make a splash, Snake. It was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We'll talk to you soon. I always do, Tony. All right. Thank Bye. you very much, mon ami. Merci, bon chum. Simon, Snake, boivard. Marinaro, the sick podcast. Watch us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And by the way, speaking of YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. Tell your friends about it. Talk to you soon. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>